Hello and welcome to the PCOS Nutritionist Podcast. My name is Claire. If we haven't met yet, then I am a registered nutritionist. I have a background in exercise science as well, and I'm a trained teacher in natural fertility education. And I focus solely on PCOS because I have it too, and I know how frustrating it is and horrible when you feel like you are fighting every day against your own body. So in this podcast, I hope to uh, educate you all on what's actually going on inside your body so you can understand what you need to do about it and also just be a bit more compassionate towards yourself because you then understand it's not your fault. It just might mean that you need to eat slightly differently to what you're doing at the moment or do a slightly different exercise or maybe, you know, take a few bit more vitamins and minerals that your body needs to work optimally or maybe it's that your body needs some medication to help it along the way so in how I work with women is I have a 12-week program called the PCS protocol it's a live program it's not some shitty pdf that you download that gives you a diet plan we in the first week we use your symptoms and blood test results to figure out what the what likely your root cause or causes are so we go through um, things like insulin, stress hormones, thyroid, inflammation. Um, and then from then on, it's the following 14 weeks, sorry, following 11 weeks is all about changing a couple of areas in your diet and exercise and stuff like that to optimize for your root cause. So for example, if your root cause, if you have some insulin issues, then we're going to be focusing on the food to help to stabilize and bring your insulin levels down to allow your body to ovulate or you know uh, reduce acne or hair growth or hair loss so it's all tailored to the whole reason for why your body is doing what it's doing okay so it's a live course meaning that we have live video calls every week so literally you and I we talk on zoom every week if you want to join them you don't have to but I really recommend that you do because you're going to get the most out of it um, we talk every day in the Facebook group and um, and then also you get your changes delivered to you and you have a membership, um, online membership program where it gives you your videos and PDFs for the day that you need to, things that you need to implement um, and those are emailed to you as well. So if you have any questions about that, just reach out to us. We're super happy to answer them, especially, you know, also if you're thinking, oh God, I think that sounds really good, but I don't know if it's right for me reach out to us, hello at the pcosnutritionist.com, super happy to answer any questions about that, and I will tell you if it is not right for you, I can show you many examples where I have, women have emailed me and said, hey, this is my situation, would this be applicable for me, and I've said no, because maybe they haven't been diagnosed with PCOS, and if that's the case, then it's not right for you. So if you've got any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. Uh, we are really happy to answer any questions. So today is a mini podcast episode where I answer your questions that you submitted via our Instagram stories. So we put a question box up on our Instagram stories every Tuesday or Wednesday New Zealand time and uh, you can pop your question in there and then I'll pick out as many as I can answer and we'll go through them today. So the first question is from Kay Postpartum. Does this kick your body into working normally again or not? Um, the answer is it really depends. It depends what your root causes and it depends what has happened during that pregnancy. So in many instances, no. Many instances, postpartum is actually worse for many women because especially if your root cause is insulin. So if your insulin is already high going into pregnancy, pregnancy actually makes your insulin resistance worse because 
that's how it gets the nutrients to your baby. That's the one of the ways that it um, does that. It actually makes us less sensitive to insulin, meaning that your insulin will rise. And if you've already got some insulin resistance or high levels of insulin going into pregnancy, then that's obviously going to make it worse. So this is the reason why many women get diagnosed with gestational diabetes is because likely, I would say, this is my theory anyway, is that most of them have had some undiagnosed insulin issues going into pregnancy and then that pregnancy just makes it worse. So previously, when you've gone to the doctor and they've run a fasting glucose or random glucose, it'll look fine. Um, but then when they do the oral glucose challenge in pregnancy, they'll actually see that your your glucose is rising too high. So um, if you then, that that goes down. Once the baby has been born, it does go down. But if, if you've had sort of nine months of higher levels of insulin, that can, because insulin is so connected with our PCOS, so basically what happens is high levels of insulin in our PCOS bodies makes our body then overproduce things like testosterone and DHAS, the, these are called the androgen hormones, and they are all responsible for our acne, hair growth, hair loss, um, and so that's why, and also disruption to our cycles. So if you've got too much insulin, it's going to disrupt your hormones that control your um, ovulation, namely luteinizing hormone. So this is the one that they measure in um, ovulation predictor kits, OPKs, and in women with PCOS, it's generally too high. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, Sydney's question about can you get false positive OPKs um, but that means that, that can disrupt ovulation so coming out of postpartum many women will notice that there is no improvement in their cycles some may do though some may notice that especially if they their body hasn't really ovulated much previously prior to having a baby so this would be maybe if you went on the pill when you were 16 um for whatever reason, whether that be irregular periods or that was for contraception or skin or whatever it was, and then you stayed on the pill for most of your life and then came off before wanting to get pregnant um, and found out that your cycles didn't really return to normal, um, during that time you haven't ovulated. So if you've been on hormonal birth control pill, you haven't ovulated that whole time. Okay, So this means that your body then has to learn how to ovulate. And the theory coming through some of the research now is that our, um, if you have ever heard of muscle memory, um, maybe if you've played sport or things like that, then you might have heard of this. But it's there. We know that when you do an exercise um, to begin with, you won't be great at it because your body has never done that exercise before. But the more you do it, the better you get. Not necessarily because of an increase in strength or fitness, but because of something called muscle memory. So your body learns how to do that exercise. And the same thing they think applies to ovulation. So your body has to learn the channel to send the signal to send from your brain to your ovaries to tell them how to ovulate. And this is the theory about why many girls, when they first go through puberty, they won't ovulate regularly after that. And they will likely have irregular cycles is because their body just needs to learn that ovulation memory. And so if you've been on hormonal birth control your whole life and come off your body has never really developed that and so the possibility is that that sort of is kick-started once ovulation happens to get you pregnant 
and then um, coming out of that potentially there's that time that it, it kicks back into gear for some women that's the only theory I can give was why some women see that when they've had problems with ovulating prior to getting pregnant and then once they have got pregnant they'll suddenly start to ovulate again once they've had the baby then um, that could be why that is but I would say it's for most women they notice that um, that I've worked with anyway they're hormones are worse kind of postpartum than that what they were going into pregnancy and or at least the same doesn't necessarily get better um, and they will have to generally do some work to get that back working again properly um so next question sydney we kind of answered your question there can you get false positive ovulation predictor um so these are ovulation predictor kits so these are sticks that you pee on um and then they measure the amount of luteinizing hormone in your urine so yes you very much can get false positives with ovulation predictor kits and pcos i talk about this all the time this is why i really i'm pleading with you guys don't waste your money on these things if you look at the back of the packet like look at clear blue who are the um one of the main uh, manufacturers of these they say it in their and they like terms and conditions, they say these are not accurate for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the reason for that is because you have too much luteinizing hormone, generally, most women with PCOS. And so if they're measuring, so say, for example, re, normal women have a LH of 2. And when they ovulate, their LH goes up to 6. Okay, that's just, these are fictitious numbers, by the way. When in a woman with PCOS, you might already have, your baseline might already be a LH of 6. So when everyone else's LH is 2, yours is already 6. So even when you're nowhere near like ovulation, your, your ovulation predictor kits will be showing that you're ovulating. And the risk for this that I see in many women that I've worked with is that you um, see the positive you're like, brilliant, this is it, this is time, have intercourse, and then you're like, right, let's wait now. And you're just waiting for, you know, 10, 11, 12, 14 days, and then it's like 16, and you're like, oh, maybe I'm pregnant, and you do the pregnancy test, and it's negative. And then, you know, a week later, then you'll get your period. So you did ovulate, but you ovulated a week later than what that ovulation predictor kit showed, and you weren't having intercourse because you already thought that you were ovulating. So this is the danger, and this is what I see so many women, it's frustrating. So please don't use them. Instead, learn how to identify your body's ovulation through cervical fluid, cervical mucus, and temperature, okay? It is, once you've learned how to do it, completely free, all you need is a, temp a thermometer, and to be, um, you know, knowing how to check for your cervical mucus, cervical fluid, and it's really actually quite easy once you've learned how to do it. So it, it might take you a month or two to get the hang of it. But once you've done it, then it's it's yours for life. You know that. You can then use that for um, not just getting pregnant, but for contraception, for, um, you know, after you've had the baby, between, between children, things like that. Um, and it is far more accurate. So it's something like 90... 9.8% sorry 98.8% accuracy for using it for contraception which means that for predicting ovulation it is very very accurate as well so yeah 
Please use that. We, if you want to learn more about that, then we've got a whole course on that. It's called Educated. So it's in the show notes, E-G-G-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, like educated, but with an egg on the front. Yes, it's a pun. Yes, we like puns. Um, so educated.com. And there's a seven-day course on how to learn how to do this. And then once you've done the seven days, we then go through lots of other things about getting pregnant. So we go through optimal sperm parameters. We go through um, learning whether you have a short luteal phase, which most women that I work with with PCOS do. So how do you actually, so luteal phase is the days after you've ovulated. You need to have a long enough luteal phase for um, that's the um, so think about your luteal phase as basically keeping your nest or your progesterone your um, uterine lining in place so that the egg has time to once it's been inseminated by the sperm it has time to actually travel down your fallopian tubes and burrow into your uterus to form a pregnancy right so because that's what needs to happen is it needs to basically burrow into your uterine lining then the message goes back to your brain to say hey we're pregnant don't get a period, don't shed this uterine lining because we need that now to protect the baby and help the baby grow. So that needs to be long enough for that message to go through. And if it's not, then that can be a really big reason why you're not getting pregnant, even if you are nailing sex when you are fertile, sex before you ovulate. So that's everything we cover. So the first seven days is just to actually learn how to do the temperature and cervical fluid. Then the following, um, the following, basically two weeks we just teach you all of the other stuff that you need to get pregnant so it's just all the extra for experts type stuff which is super helpful though so things that I see that a lot of times even fertility clinics aren't looking for so go and do that it's only $99 um, means that you get all of that information and you're set to go then next question Maggie um, is preparation to get off birth control necessary not necessary Maggie highly recommended <laughs> um, you can you can come off birth control anytime you want but you may get a backlash of symptoms so for example if you went on the pill because you were getting acne and you then come off the pill that's not going to be any better so even if your skin was better while on the pill likely when you come off that yeah that's not going to be any better so the reason that I recommend a bit of time actually identifying and addressing that root cause is so that when you maybe give it six months of addressing your root cause, so that's what we do inside the PCS protocol. So if you want to come and join us there, then that's what I'll help you through there. Um, doing that and then coming off birth control after that if you don't want that backlash of symptoms. If you're willing to have you know, a worse acne than what you did when you went on, then of course go for gold like you don't need to have to but if you're really concerned about that um, then I would it, it doesn't it's not an insurance policy against it but it's the best you can do okay um, so the same thing goes for hair growth and hair loss I have seen sometimes as well although sometimes we can't yeah we can't necessarily stop the hair loss after coming off the pill even if it's sort of even if you've kind of addressed that root cause for six months or so but sometimes we can. So um, I would, that's, anyway, just my recommendation. It's not, like, there's no scientific evidence to show this. No one's taken two groups of women and one group went off the pill 
and one group didn't, one group addressed their root cause. It's just purely that I've seen from clinical experience working with women. Um, and last question, Jenny, what is the first thing I should focus on when starting out with PCOS? Really good question. We probably don't talk about this enough, enough Jenny. Actually, I should probably do this as a full podcast. But Jenny, the first thing I'd focus on is what is the root cause? What's driving that for you? So yes, there's always genetics, right? Like that is the... It's, it's it's pretty well recognized that in PCOS it, there is a massive genetic component but we also know that with any genetic conditions and especially PCOS when you look at the research and I actually interviewed um, a researcher Mia who has done all her research on the evolutionary um, origins of PCOS and what she found was that yes while there is a genetic predisposition it's actually mostly environment that has triggered us to get these PCOS symptoms and she looks back at the genetics over the past um, you know a couple of thousand years and sees that saw that those haven't really changed and yet the incidence of PCOS so the number of women that are getting PCOS has dramatically increased over the last 50 years even so we know that there's a huge role that environment is playing there so environment then we look at well what is that and when I look into it I see in the research that it's mostly, for most women, 80% of us, insulin plays a big role. So insulin is the hormone that controls our blood glucose. Um, then we have uh, stress hormones play a big role as well, thi- our thyroid. And then when you go, okay, so right, well, those are sort of some of the systems in our body that aren't working properly that can contribute to PCOS symptoms. But then what are the things that contribute to that? So when it comes to insulin, okay, so what is it about what we're eating, how we're moving, how we're sleeping? Um, Do we have enough vitamins and minerals for our insulin to work properly? Or is that why it's really high? So that's where we can delve into the really environmental things. And those are the things that we can change, right? Those are the things we can. We can prioritize our sleep. We can make sure we've got enough vitamin D and inositol. We can change what we eat so that our insulin isn't spiking as high. So those are the things that we focus on in um, in you know addressing what I term the root cause. I don't mean that you cause that. So please don't get that um, confused. It doesn't mean that you cause your PCOS. We know that that can't that can't really happen um what it does mean is that there's what is it that's just not quite working optimally with your with your genes you know and how can we change that how can we sort of just tweak what you're how you're living to work with your genetics as opposed to against them so I talk through all of those in the first ever podcast I recorded, Jenny. So go back, we'll, we'll link that to you in the show notes. So go back and listen to that and anyone else that is just starting out with PCOS. And then from there, um, once you're probably not, you're not going to be able to work this out yourself, right? Like this takes some specialist knowledge. Um, trust me, it's taken me a decade to learn this, even though I had already had a degree in nutrition and exercise science. It still took me another decade to figure this out. So, um, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to do this on your own. And so really invest time and money into working with someone who knows what they're talking about here and can help you figure this out. That's the second thing I would do, right? Once you've understood it, then go, right, okay, I understand the theory behind this, but I'm not necessarily skilled or the expert to work this out myself. So if you can't afford to work with someone who knows what, who's experienced and knows what they're doing here just yet, don't go spending all your money on supplements and things like that. Instead, save that money. Save that money and use that to work with someone who do know who does know what they're doing. 
because you will save so much money in the long term and I have seen countless times women coming to me and they've um, taken a herb or something else, some supplements and it's actually made things, things worse because it's having the opposite effect as what they wanting. Vitex is a really common one for that. Women seeing, reading about it or someone saying, oh, Vitex is a great herb for regulating periods. And they're like, oh, well, my period needs regulating, so I'll take that. No. And most women with PCOS, it is not the right thing to take. So just, yeah, just be really care, aware of that. Save your money. Work with someone who knows what they're doing. And um, you'll save uh, so much money in the long run. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening in and all of your great questions on the, yeah, on the stories was really good to see. I literally just went through and I was like, boom, boom, fab question, great question, great question. So, so many there um, and that if you do want to ask a question, do pop it into um, our question box on a Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, I I can't get through all of them. There's literally hundreds of them, but um, you may you know, we maybe pick yours at some stage. And if it's if it's not this week, then please just keep submitting it because um, hopefully we'll get to it at some point um, in time. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week. Now stand by for our disclaimer. The information contained in this podcast has been prepared for the purpose of providing information, including about the PCOS nutritionist products and services, and is designed to support clients' overall wellness. It is not intended to provide medical advice or designed to rectify, treat, or cure any specific medical conditions or diseases. Nothing stated or shared in our podcast is intended to be and must not be taken to be medical advice. Please seek the advice of professionals, as appropriate, regarding the evaluation of any specific information, opinion, advice or content contained in our podcast.